Imagine a world with no cold calling. A world where companies don't sell your data to other companies who want to pester you. At G4 Claims, we don't cold call and we don't buy a single lead from data companies. Oh, and if you're due any compensation from your car accident, you pay nothing to us at all. For full accident management support, including motor replacement, repairs and personal injury compensation claims, just search G4 Claims today for help the way you want it. This week's episode of the DW Podcast. I am joined by a musician, Stuart Braithwaite. Thanks very much for joining. Thanks for having me. It's funny, uh, before I was coming on here, I was thinking, I always you know, I'm joined by, you know, a member of Mogwai, and I feel that, I shouldn't have put you on the spot here, but I feel that I'm always defining people by what they do as a job, and I don't really think that's fair. So, like, who is Stuart Braithwaite? What, what's the story? No, I'm, I'm, I'm just the guy from Mogwai. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, that's, that's what I've been doing my whole life playing music, playing guitar, so no, I don't mind, I don't mind that. It is funny though, because people have got these other, you know, backgrounds, like their parents or their husbands or their, uh-huh. you know, dads or yeah. wives or mums, and yeah. I just feel as if I've been conscious, I'm always saying, oh, this is this musician, or you Yeah, know? well, my, my parents are more interested than me, to be totally honest, um, yeah, my mum was a, she's retired now, which is a GP, and uh, yeah, my dad was Scotland's only telescope maker. No way. Yeah, yeah. so he was, an, he was an interesting guy. Died a few years ago, but yeah, so yeah. I, sadly, he would have given you much better part than, than I'm going to, but uh, he's not around anymore, sadly. Did you pass on many telescopes then? Are you into the stars and the astronomy? Or? I'm interested in them. There's there's a, there's a few, I've got like some binoculars he left me and there's a bunch of telescopes at my mum's house, but um, I'm not an expert. I'm not a very uh, scientific person, but yeah, no, I was always interested in it and like loved having a look and yeah. It's a cool thing to grow up around, definitely. How does that come about? You know, Scotland's only only one. I guess the other ones quit. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing there's probably none now, sadly. But um, yeah, well, he, um, his dad was in it, worked in a place called Frank's, which was down at Salt Market, which was a kind of they sold all kind of binoculars, telescopes, all that kind of stuff. So he just took on what his, what his dad did and I guess he had a lot of different jobs and settled on what he wanted to do which I guess is what what we all kind of aim for you know to kind of get up in the morning and do what what you actually like doing sadly a lot of folk don't get don't get the chance to you know it seems like that's almost been passed down you know through generations of your family you know uh-huh. do what you want to do love your dream yeah oh they certainly never gave me any pressure to don't know. He always said if I became an accountant, he'd disown me. <laughs> <laughs> That's shocking. Well, I also can't account, so he was, he was, I, I, was always, I was always all right. You wouldn't make a very good accountant, no, that's for sure. No, no. Would I be right in saying you were born in one of the islands before moving to Glasgow? No? No. If I made no. that up? I was born in Lanark. Were you, eh? It's an it's island, an island itself, in itself. <laughs> I don't know where I got that from. Um, well, my mum's from, my mum's from Lewis, ah, okay. so that's probably, that's I kind of got right. slightly confused. Yeah. But no, I was, I was born in Lanark. What was that like growing up in Lanark? Uh, lots of skateboarding, lots of music. Well, well, where I grew up isn't quite Lanark. It's kind of in the Clyde Valley, kind of probably about halfway between Lanark and Hamilton. Sure. Um, it was nice. Yeah, just went to school in Straven. And uh, it was nice. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because when someone asks you about how something was you've 
you know, experience of anywhere else to compare it to. So I can't be like, well, living in the countryside in Lanarkshire was all right, but I really liked living in the the jungle in South Africa. I never, I never, it, I never a, had that exotic experience to compare it to. That's a really good point because I often think that you know you, you speak to people that, for example, you know, living in the west of Scotland, they've been brought up in abject poverty, mm -hmm. and and you often hear them in interviews saying, well, "What was it like in your childhood?" And they say, "It's the only thing we knew." You know, so I don't think it really matters if you're brought up, you know, well, it certainly matters, but it doesn't matter to a certain extent if you're brought up in poverty or wealth, because that's all you know. Yeah. Often you're in your own bubble and there's... Yeah, yeah you're in your own bubble. I mean, I'm, I mean, I was very lucky, like, I had a really nice upbringing. And I suppose that, 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 that would be the big contrast would be if you'd had such a tough time or that you were unhappy. And I definitely was happy. I kind of had a good time. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, you can only... I mean, it even happens with music. I mean, we talk to music journalists and they'll be like... They'll ask you, why did you make this record? And you're like, I make records. That's just... <laughs> That's my job. That's what I like doing. Yeah, you, know, you don't want to say that because it sounds kind of blasé, but it's the, it's the obvious and truthful answer, you know? Um, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's all about perspective, I suppose. Exactly. When did you first pick up an instrument then? Were you high school, um, primary school? Probably start of high school. Probably when I was, I can't remember exactly. I'd probably say 12 or 13, maybe even a wee bit younger. I had guitar lessons from this guy, Harry. He used to teach me and my sister. My sister's a good guitar player as well, actually. And uh, so, yeah, I did that kind of quite a few kind of hobbies and I guess that was the one that I put the most into you know sure. you can when you're a wee guy or a wee girl if you, when you're young you kind of have all different kind of things you like but you have to to take them forward you have to kind of really get into it yourself and I, I guess music was the one when I got, I got most passionate about is that like supported by the school you know where the school quite supportive in it I feel that at the moment you know I spoke to a lot of musicians on the podcast previously uh -huh. and it seems that you know at the moment they're charging kids to learn instruments in schools you know it's not as accessible yeah, as it used to be no, that's 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 really bad I've heard, I've heard a lot about that um the school our school um we'll mention, sorry, we'll someone, mention Chris while we're here oh, so yeah, yeah, there's, there's, yeah Chris who's who's, who's letting us record in his, in his cafe. It's a wonderful cafe. Uh, Scran in Denison. Uh, our school, school was two. Right? Yeah. That's my world. Did you not know that? I, you know? I didn't know that until we arranged for you to come. Right. Played the same band. Played the same school band. Yeah. It's amazing, huh? So, so there was two music teachers at our, at our school and uh, one of them was a brilliant guy and the other guy wasn't he? Was a wank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the guy that I liked um, was really cool. He'd done, he'd, he was a doctor. He, was, he had a PhD. He'd done his PhD in uh, Stockhausen. Like he, I remember him playing as the Sex Pistols and was really into interest in music. And the, the other guy, you know what? He was, actually a, he was actually a good music teacher. He was quite passionate about teaching the kids. You know, he was. He just... I don't think he liked me very much, but he was, he was a good teacher, so I shouldn't be totally rude about it. Is that because you were better at music then, or was it not at that stage? I think I'm better at music than, than <laughs> oh, now. No, I, th on. I think he was just a real traditionalist, and I think he he like had the swing band and all that kind of stuff, and didn't really 
probably understand why the other teacher um, was pushing all this kind of more, I mean, you say modern, we're talking probably like stuff from the 70s now, but it seemed, it seemed, it seemed modern compared to the really old fashioned music. I as well, if it's the Sex Pistols, it's a bit more rebellious than, you know, your, yeah. what you're used to music class. Yeah, I'm sure there'd probably be a few of the parents would have been pretty raging if they'd known <laughs> that like their kids were getting played pretty vacant or whatever, mm. but... Um, so yeah, one of them was super supportive and the other one was barely tolerant. And uh, so would you say that they had an influence on you or was it kind of, no? Well, I, I mean, I remember uh, borrowing a glockenspiel for one of the early Mogwai singles a few years that's after amazing. we'd left. So I mean, that's pretty supportive, yeah. I love and seeing it, bands going back to their schools yeah. and saying, oh, it's this teacher that made it because they guys must do this job, you know, day in, day out. Exactly. And they never really get any credit for it. No, they don't. And I mean, I actually say, I've got... Um, I've got a stepson who's at, who's at school, and I've kind of, he kind of has a typical teenage attitude towards school, and I've said that to him a few times. I'm like, you know what, teachers like they they're not getting paid tons of money for this, and like they're doing it because they want to help you out. They, they want to make your lives better. But I guess when you're a kid, you don't quite I see don't all that. that do you? you don't grasp it at uh, all. It's only in hindsight, I think, when you're going back, and I actually think as well, you know, for you to have the and I started to go back to school and say, can I get that clock and spill it? There must have been something there in it. Yeah, that. no, I, I, and also I, after I was at school, I did music at college, a college through near Edinburgh. And I think he played a big part in kind of getting, you getting me in, getting me in. Because right. I think I had pretty bad examples. <laughs> <laughs> I could play guitar. It seems so like, I think, yeah. I, think I, I think he kind of had a wee word to say. Yeah, I know he's not... He's not got brilliant exam results, but he's, he's a passionate good kid, musician. Uh, yeah, a good kid and a passionate musician. So, yeah, no, you know, I always knew that music was going to be the thing for you then? I think so. Yeah, I, th I think so. I mean, I guess, I, and I, I think I probably should thank my parents a lot for this, but I, I, I never really was overly worried about what I was going to do with my adult life, really. And... Obviously, I'm very fortunate that I managed to um, keep making music and kind of make a living from music. I would still be making music even if I didn't. If it wasn't did, your career. I, yeah. I still would be. I mean, but obviously I would have had to work, work, work out something else to do. I see in this week that they're saying that you could have been a boxer if you followed the, the government training school. Or a referee. That was the other one, a boxer or a referee. What would you prefer? I'd go for the referee. It's I would probably go for the referee as well, <laughs> just because you don't have to, I don't know, like run around chasing chickens like Rocky. And as long as it doesn't come to Get punched in the face. <laughs> you might get punched in the face as a referee as well, though, I suppose. Certainly if you're the Scottish Tory leader and the referee. You, I know. You I, saw him compla I saw him complaining that like folk were calling him a Tory bastard. <laughs> Honestly, I'm sure I've called him worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that they're like, you know, off on a tangent. It is actually Maybe you could try not being a Tory bastard as well. <laughs> <laughs> you're putting yourself in these working class environments you know in football stadiums and wondering why people are complaining about you being a Tory you know you're, you're, you could be running the line you know being a linesman at Fir Park and Motherwell where you're you're part of crippled the community you know ripped it to part for years and years and it's still not recovered and you're complaining about being called a bastard but this is not a party political broadcast but I'm getting off on one yeah yeah I, 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 I find it hard to be sympathetic 
let's just say that. I mean, we'll touch on that as well. Yeah. You know, you, you says it was really nice that you know your parents are really supportive that your parents mm. didn't put pressure on you to do that. And I think yeah. that's especially in the creative industries mm-hmm. to, to see that advert. You know, that's kind of made the headlines in, in recent weeks about you know re, retrain, reskill. It's, yeah. I mean, there's so many people out there that have got something to give, and I think that's a, a total insult, a slap in the face. It is, it's a slap in the face to the amount of hours people have put in, and and also not to not to be crass about it like the amount of money that they make from the creative industries is insane they just, it makes no sense for them to like let let the arse fall out of these industries these industries provide so much revenue I mean the, the irony of the industries paying for the adverts telling you to go and become a web designer or whatever they're, I mean not, nothing wrong being a web designer but also, where are the jobs for the web designers? Surely the kids, the young people who've been working their whole lives as web designers have got those jobs, not the ballerinas. It's, it's, it's nuts. I, it, I, it I don't know if you've seen the breakdown of the, the poster. I thought it was brilliant. And it says, you know, this is who made this. So a graphic designer made this. You know, there's a photographer to take the yeah. photo. And she's wearing ballerina shoes or whatever it was. You know, that's obviously a fashion designer that's made them. And it's, it's just such an ignorance, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, yeah, it, it is. They just seem to be... I, I just think with this Tory government, they've they've had such a small pool of people that they can hire because they need to be these kind of like hardcore Brexit devotees. They need to have pretty much no moral compass because they're working for awful people. And then you kind of look at who these people are and they're just so lacking in empathy and talent. And then these people are meant to be sorting out this massive political upheaval that's going to take place. And you just wonder, I mean, if they're going to look at the relatively small things that they're making a complete mess of, you kind of wonder how they're going to, how badly they can manage to mess up all the big stuff kind of coming down down the road. Yeah, scary times. And the creative industries, you know, obviously been at the forefront, in my opinion, one that's been totally left behind and ignored for all this, but how has it affected you personally in, in Mogwai? Um, I know that you've obviously had the free shows next February that you've, you've cancelled already, yeah. and it seems like you were one of the first to take that initiative and say... Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think there's a lot of people in denial about what the next year's going to look like. I think that um, yeah, for for us, it's, we've had to cancel some shows. That's the, possibly we're not going to play many shows next year either. We don't really know. We've actually got one booked. Whereabouts? What was that? It's not announced. So I don't know if I'm actually allowed to yeah. say. Somewhere quite nice. I really hope it happens. Sure. But uh, our our album's finished. So yeah, usually right now we'd be sitting with like half a year of gigs and then a rough plan of what to do in the six months afterwards so and that's not it's probably not going to happen so yeah it's really it's really changed our plans and um but i'm sure there's people in a lot worse position than us i mean we, we we're quite lucky in that we 
have some other options that we can do. We're still obviously putting out music. We can do um, soundtrack work, although it kind of seems that that industry's having a wee bit of a fright as well. Well, not a wee bit of a fright, like pretty much just getting put on ice until people are ready to go back to the cinemas. But Yeah, I've seen Sydney World announcing closures and stuff as well. And then it's almost like the, the film producers don't want to put out films because... You know, people can't go to cinema, so it looks like if they put it out, it could potentially be a flop because nobody went to see it. But yeah, I, I think I don't know where I stand in this because I get it, totally get it. Uh-huh. But I think you know, in these difficult times, the only thing that's keeping people going and keeping them positive is new music or new films yeah. or you know something yeah. creative, which just goes back to the point and you know retrain. Yeah, <laughs> just highlights. I, I get, I get, I guess the, the the issue with the films is quite a complicated one. Is that if they start putting out films like on pay-per-view or straight to streaming services if people just get used to that I think that may be the worry if people just get used to not going to the cinema and they, they and I mean I I love going to the cinema so I, I, I kind of as much as I'd love to see more new films I can understand why they they're trying to keep the balance of engaging people with that activity because you wonder when people just get used to not doing something. I actually think that's about football as well. We were chatting a wee bit about yeah. football before we started. Like so many people's Saturday, they go and watch their team every second Saturday. And I really, really hope that once it starts up again, that everyone just starts doing that again because you know what it's like in life, just with anything in life, once you 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 change your activities. I, mean, I even f- I even found it with going out to going out for my dinner when all, every everywhere shut as soon as it all started again. It seemed like oh, you know, almost had dudes. to. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it almost feel felt like something that used to feel really normal started feeling a little bit unusual. I still did it because I'm a total grabber. <laughs> but uh, when you really change your behaviour which obviously this pandemic's made everyone do in so many different ways. There's a worry about some some things not just clicking back into place. And I think that'll definitely be the, was the case with the cinemas because they did all open. Yeah. Just a lot of people weren't comfortable. I mean, I didn't go, I have to say. I was planning to, I just never got around to it. But maybe in the back of my mind, I still wasn't totally comfortable in like sitting in a room with loads of people. Um, and the football one's a great point. I was, I was talking to the, the boys in the media team at Motherwell today and... Uh, Listen, you know, it's it's a real shame because a lot of the time these football clubs are the beating heart of the community. You know, it's, it's where families go. It's what you know from your, a young age. And I think just now, if you're a family and you've not been there for months and months and you see these other things that are still open that you can go to in a controlled social distance environment, for example, safari parks or zoos, regardless of what you think of them, you know, or, or other things that you can do as a family that are maybe better value for money. Yeah. You fall away from that habit. And I think often the time sports clubs and football clubs are habitual, you know, it's yeah. not necessarily, you love it, but it's, because it's all you've known, and if you've got this period just now where there's other things out there, you think, yeah. oh, maybe actually if I've got two kids and, it's expensive, it's expensive, right? Yeah, it is expensive, and that's, other than a handful, not even a handful, one or two of my friends who are lucky to have jobs that are kind of thriving for whatever reason, almost everyone I know is a lot worse off than they were a year ago. And things like gigs, things like football, all that kind of stuff, that's they're the kind of things that the first things you're gonna not do. 
you know, and going out for your food and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think it's going to take quite a bit, a bit of readjustment to get to get back to normal. Are, you know, back to some sort of normal, 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 normality. Uh, and things are back to some sort of normality. When gigs are, you know, there again, it's also going to be hard for musicians because there's going to be so many gigs going on at the same time, you know. Yeah. Everyone's not played gigs in a year or so, maybe even yeah. longer. You know, like, do you then have to prioritise what ones you go to? You know, you, you can't go to a gig Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday because it's expensive, you know. Yeah. A, a lot, well... In chats I've had with people, that's what a lot of people are saying, especially about next autumn, because um, that's the that's the estimated guess of when things are going to get normal. And, and as you said, you can't go you can't go out to a gig that's what's the gig between twenty and fifty quid. It's, it's a lot of money. You can't go out every single night. So yeah, what's your thoughts on the kind of like uh, the virtual stuff, or even the ones that I noticed in Newcastle where it's like spaced out, you know? Yeah. And there's I mean, I went, I went to one, actually, I went to one at SWG3, went to see um, Free Love and Optimo were DJing. And was that just a few weeks ago? Was that yeah, a, it was uh, just yeah, a few yeah, weeks yeah. ago and it was great. It was really good, but as a long-term replacement for a gig, I don't see how it would work because obviously they, they had to have table service. Everyone was totally spaced out. It was really safe, but just getting the sheer amount of people that you need to make it make sense. I mean, th- th- this is this is the other thing as well. Like People were talking a lot about social distancing at gigs and how you could have a gig and it'd be a quarter full. You can't really have a gig and it'd be quarter full. You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to cover the cost of the PA and the people working there and never mind paying the musicians. I mean, I, I kind of think it kind of needs to get back to normal before, unless it's these kind of different kind of events. The virtual stuff's good. I definitely have watched a few a few things and it's something we're looking at doing but yeah it's not a replacement for something like it's the hydro though is it you know I mean that no be... it's not the same I mean, yeah, but, but I mean then I just can't even imagine it just now I just can't even imagine cramming in a place with thousands of people it just seems nuts mm. it just seems totally nuts and like I'm someone who benefits from that so I mean if I'm thinking that then <laughs> like I'm sure a lot of people would be very re- reticent of doing that until there's until it's all under control you know what's it like for yourself you know in terms of the band schedule and, and touring you know you mentioned there that at this stage you'd be bringing out the album and then yeah. you'd you know almost like half a year of gigs planned and you you also touched on you know you've got stepson and, and a family is it is it hard the older you get being, a, being away from home or is it like I'm looking forward to this get me I a can't week. remember it I can't remember <laughs> well we went away to record so I did we went away for a couple of weeks um I'm okay. I, I I I don't mind going away. I mean, all the rest of the band have kids and stuff as well, so we don't go away for like three months at a time or anything. It's kind of it's usually not not for not for too long. Has um, that changed over the years? I think when you were younger, it was a bit like, hey, this is a we're, we're going for it for days, and now yeah. When we started the band, we were all living our parents, so it was like a holiday, <laughs> doing like yeah. going, going away. It was like totally like is a totally different different thing but no I still I still love playing and one thing I would say is as the band become became more established you play later at night so quite often you get no sleep so you'd be coming off stage at like one two in the morning and then you're getting a plane at seven eight in the morning to get the next place so I don't miss that but where were you? Were you recording there? Where were you? Was it uh, from zero 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 stuff? No, we've, no, we've done a new record. Yeah. We just finished a new record. We recorded it um, 
a place in Worcestershire. Right, okay. Just past Birmingham. Sure. It was nice. How do you select that? What's your process? Well, we were better, that was another thing that changed our plans. We were meant to be recording upstate New York, which is where we, we did our last record and we did some of the really old ones. But yeah, obviously you can't go to America. So Tony, we, we've got a studio here in Glasgow with Tony Dugan, who's an engineer. And uh, the, get, the record was produced by a guy, Dave Fredman, um, who's made a few of our records. Yes. And um, so I guess Tony and Dave just found somewhere that... What's it like going back to Dave at like 15, 20 years on? Because he was... He's almost been there for the, the start, maybe the second up album, was it? Yeah, yeah. it's good. I, I like the fact that with the band, we've got a few people that we've kind of worked with, maybe not all the time, but quite a lot and huge different spaces of time. It, it, when we did the last record with Dave, it had been God, 16 years or something Crazy, in between. It? And, and he was he was laughing at us. Is it like old pals back together? It's old pals, but I mean, we were just such wee guys and now we're pretty grown up I think he kind of was quite amused by the, the different differences the fact we started eating vegetables and <laughs> I think all we ate before was chicken wings and I don't know it's disgusting but um, yeah it's good it's good I, I, I like having people you worked with over a long time it's uh, it's good to see how some people how people change a wee bit and most people don't really at all you know, maybe you change the pace, change your pace, but you don't actually change as a person. You know, it must be a privilege as well as a musician, you know, we've touched on it at the start, doing something that you love, but yeah. having this option to go to places like New York to record, and mm-hmm. I mean, you've got a massive fan base in America now, don't you? It's... Yeah, 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 we do, we do, we do quite well. I'm definitely kind of really appreciative of that. And um, where, the, where the studio is isn't actually that great. I have to say it's kind of a wee bit... <laughs> It's, it's a wee bit mad. There's like a lot of Trump signs and like folk with skin deers out of the porch and all that. You're kind of a wee bit scared of the neighbours. But um, no, it's good. I, I would have liked to have gone back. That, I, that's one thing that... And we, we also right at the first lockdown, um, we were meant to be playing a festival in Mexico and I was still totally up for it because I'm totally in denial of everything and like the rest of them like I don't think we should go and, and they were totally right we should never have went but uh, I remember it was kind of funny on the on the one week my main concern was that I wouldn't be able to find anywhere to like watch the Celtic Rangers game in Mexico <laughs> and then like a week later I was like imagine thinking we were going to get to Mexico and then I had the football game we cancelled as well the whole everything just got totally binned that's funny. Where's the most exotic place you've played? Is there any memories that you think, oh, that was special, you know? Obviously, millions of them over the years, but is there anything that jumps out? Um, I mean, we've played in exotic countries. We've played in, like, Thailand and Indo- Indonesia, and these places are just amazing. You can't believe that it, even it, it, anyone even knows who we are out there. But I guess probably the most things that... When I think about gigs, I think about like the first time we played the Barrowlands here because I'd been obviously a teenager going to gigs at the Barrowlands and such a such a big deal and then like when we played like the Royal Abbott Hall it's just that's crazy isn't it uh, yeah it's yeah. totally crazy yeah so I mean no, we're really lucky we've played a lot of places that are pretty special I was speaking to Chris in the cafe before he came in and he was saying it was at one of your early Barrowlands shows and uh, he's all skateboarding through the back ah yeah we would have been <laughs> yeah we totally would I remember actually like 
when it, we went on tour with the Manic Street Preachers on the first day. I guess they have mad fans. That's one of their, one of their things. I think they're my favourite Welsh socialists, but there's not a great deal to choose from. Oh, sure, I bet there's a few. I bet the super funny annals are <laughs> big socialists too. But um, I remember we got, we got into the, the venue and it was huge, 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 big venue, much bigger than we'd ever played. And I just like so excited. I had my skateboard and just like just started like bombing it up and down this place. And like their their uh, their bouncer was this like ex SES guy, and like could just see him, just like oh my, you can't be here doing that. And he like had no idea we were the support band. It's really funny. Do you take your board after you? Usually. Usually, sometimes it never comes out of my bag, but yeah, it's quite good. If you've got jet lag and you're in somewhere nice, it's quite a good. Do you ever skate your own decks? I've seen that you've brought out a, a mobile set. No, I didn't. Years, no? no, I've got them out there on my wall. Aye. That's amazing. I think that's really nice. You know, you put them up for sale, eh? Yeah, we did it with a, a skate shop in Edinburgh, Focus. All right, yeah. yeah. Is, is all the band into skating or is it just yourself? Or? Yeah, it's just me. Right. I, think that, I think that a few of them had boards years ago, but yeah, I'm the only one that's persevered. Do you think they ever say, Stuart, what are you doing with this? We're not bringing it skateboards, what's that all about? No, they weren't bored about that. I think they're probably more bored about me breaking my arm, to be totally honest. <laughs> Sometimes I'll like pull out and I can just see their eyes rolling, like, oh God. That would be an absolute disaster, I can imagine. That would be a disaster. Disaster. The world, Thanks, you Thankfully, I'm 44 years old. I'm not going to get high enough off the ground to break my arm. <laughs> That's my logic. That's my logic. There, I feel as if the older you get, I mean, I used to skate a wee bit when I was younger, not as much anymore, but it's almost like before you were invincible and now the older you get, you're like, oh, I really shouldn't be doing that. You know your limits, Phil. I try, I try and know my limits. You came here on your bike as well. It seems like you're, there's no stopping you. Yeah, well, I got, a, I got a bike about a year ago and it's actually like totally blown my mind. I, I had no idea that it's, it's usually quicker to get places in the city on a bike than it is driving. I wasn't sure if that was a lockdown purchase or it was one of these ones that guiltily bought a bike at the start of lockdown and out loads and it's slowing up as we get closer to the winter. After yeah. yeah my, my, my wife got a, a, lock, a lockdown bike, but um, yeah, I already had it. Although that's that's a replacement. Mine actually got nicked. <laughs> it's quite annoying. <laughs> Did you find out who it was? No. No. There's a CCTV right outside my flat as well and like it must have just been pointing just slightly the wrong way. But. I just wonder who these folk are that do that. It's like, who are they selling it's, to me? I think it's a big criminal enterprise. I mean, I, when, I, when I was looking for my stolen bike, there's a Facebook group and Loads the amount of bikes and people know what ones to get as well. Right. Some of those bikes are worth a lot of money too, you know? So like these people kind of... I mean, my, my bikes are not a really well-known make. So I guess they probably thought it was fancier than it really is. <laughs> they got it home like, oh, about this one. I mean, it's, it's a good bike, but like, you, you see some bikes that are worth thousands and thousands of pounds, you know. You've, uh, you've, you've not been quiet, certainly, over the years uh, with your political views. Yeah. Uh, and has that ever come into play when you're thinking about the band? You know, you're obviously you know, all over the world and flying the flag for Scotland. And, yeah. You know, you've been outspoken on independence. I'm very much pro-independence as well. But has there ever been a time where you've thought, I should maybe rein this in in case people... I mean, the rest of the band are, are, all agree. Yeah. I think if, if, the, if the rest of the band weren't also pro-independence, unless some of them have had some massive change of heart, which seems very <laughs> unlikely, uh, I would maybe not be quite so vocal about it because I wouldn't want... To tarnish theirs. Or just yeah. people to presume everyone's views because of my views. Yeah. But no, they're all pretty... They're all really pro-independence as well. Um, 
think it's hard not to be in today's world. I mean, yeah, well, they're running out of running out of people who are not pro independence. So, um, yeah, I think that's maybe easier on the creative industries. I feel as if you know, you look at musicians, and you know, a lot of musicians from Scotland are very open in their political views. I don't know mm-hmm. if you're maybe working in a different line of work. If it's maybe a bit harder to be outspoken, or I think. I think if you're, I don't know if that sounds pretentious, but I, I, I think if your daily activity is to make something new, then the idea of a change like that doesn't seem that big a thing. Whereas yeah. I think if maybe people have different backgrounds or maybe are very kind of used to things being a certain way, that a big change like that seems really daunting of course it's kind of weird with Brexit as well because I, w- I was really anti <clears throat> anti-Brexit and um, but I kind of I was quite surprised that people went for that because it seems so obviously detrimental yeah. it's another big kind of can of worms but I mean I wonder if that's because you've you know your job takes you all over the world you know it takes yeah. you to Europe you, yeah. you, you mix with these people and are weekly, yeah. monthly, daily basis, you know, you yeah. see the, the value of being European, yeah. whereas if you're maybe working in an office in London in a bank, for example, mm-hmm. you, you don't see that as, or if, if, even if you're in a building site in Glasgow, you know, you might not see that yeah. integration, I, you know. That. I mean, I, I, I mean, there was two, two, two things with Brexit. One, I kind of, I just, in an industry that travels all over and Music's obviously completely international. Kind of having frictionless trade seems such an obviously good thing. But also, I kind of, I kind of could see the kind of racist undercurrent of, of what was pushing it. I'm not saying everyone who was into it feels like that, but there was that dark thing just definitely bubbling under, and I, I definitely feel that racism's more prevalent since Brexit and people are more comfortable being prejudiced against people from different countries. I mean, the Tories are absolutely brazen just now. Some of these things are like just so anti, anti-immigrant anti and anti-refugee and I don't know, I just... It's almost they've took these, ex- what would be seen as extreme views and, and brought it very much into the mainstream. It's, you know, they've played from that UKIP playbook you know yeah. and it's it's now mainstream politics and yeah. again I, I think a lot of it and I, I think racism is terrible and I think a lot of it is down to education but also mm-hmm. down to you know naivety or, or people not being exposed to multiculturalism as well and yeah. I think a lot of it does come back to you know your experience yeah. you know if you guys are playing across the world and meeting people from different cultures you're going to understand these cultures and you're going to embrace them and want to learn more about them mm-hmm. if you're kind of you know in if you're living your whole life in England and you don't know any different you're constantly told that you know, the, the person from Pakistan or India is coming or Poland's taking your job. Like, you, you should know better than that. But uh, partly it's maybe because they're just not cleared up. Well, I'm not making excuses for it. In well, any, I mean, I, I, think, like, uh, I think that is that is true. But I think what is also true is that certain people have a certain attitude of, of Britain, and some people still think Britain is the center of the world, and they they think it's fine for them to go and live in Spain. But they don't want someone from Spain to come here. They're an expat. And they don't, and they don't, they don't see the hypocrisy. 
yeah. and the stupidity of that yes. you know like yeah. if they want to go and live in Spain that's amazing if someone from Spain wants to come live here that's also great you know to be honest I think like culturally they are probably doing us a favour more than we are doing them a favour to be totally honest but yeah it's a it, I don't know. I just I, often I, I find think... it hard to put my finger on how are people, you know, so brainwashed by this. I, I feel that post twenty fourteen in Scotland there was mm-hmm. almost an awakening for people. You know, it was, yeah. you know, people weren't as politically engaged before that to a certain degree and afterwards. You know, people of younger generations are totally buying into it. You yeah. see that in the polls just now, where the younger generations are really engaged with the independence movement, and the older generations aren't as much so. And I wonder if that's yet to come to, you I, know, the rest of Britain. I think I think I think a lot of it's to do with information, and I think that older generation are much more inclined to to believe messaging from like the BBC and all that kind of stuff. So it's a weird one because I, I generally think it's quite good to be skeptical, but then you look at it's kind of like it's almost like a crying wolf situation. You now look at people that don't believe things about the pandemic. So like, it's been full circle, wasn't it? Yeah, and you look at America, where like they they turn they've basically turned news into an entertainment kind of situation, and no one, and you've got the president coming out with properly bonkers conspiracy theories, and and it not even really being a big story, yeah. and you know I kind of I worry about that a bit. But I think people in Scotland are maybe a bit more canny. Yeah, to, that's the best word. You know, I think they're maybe a wee bit more canny to to about who to believe and who not to believe. You know, but I think I think I think information and media are the it's the biggest kind of battlefield in society at the moment. Like there's so much misinformation and so much um, I don't know messaging. And especially, especially online, you know. It's, I mean, we're kind of having a bit of a laugh about the Tories and they're telling the ballerina to become a web designer. But you kind of think about what they're actually doing. Like they're kind of just picking away at people's kind of consciousness, and it's it's very it's it's anti free thought. You know, it's it's anti individualism and it's anti self expression. And I mean, I, I'm not. I'm really not fond of those people, but they're not daft. They're doing it on purpose, you know. It's it's. There's it, more to it. Than, you know, there's yeah. always more to it. You know, there's kind of some pretty smart people behind the behind the scenes. You know. You mentioned you know Trump there, and I think he's someone that's used this platform, you know, as a celebrity in, in America to really push his own brand and, and get to the top and push his own divisive views. And I suppose on a much lesser scale, you guys have because back to the question about you know pushing your own views. You've obviously got a platform as well, and I feel that you know, you use it in a way that you don't try and indoctrinate people. You put the information out there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to you know, how do you use these platforms? How do you know what's the right thing to say, and how do you not? Is is there ever sometimes you think I wish I could say that, but maybe I shouldn't really? Or um, I mean, from my own, for me personally, I don't really worry about it at all. I think I think I think with the band, we kind of I don't know. I mean, I almost feel, I, I think it's so important that Donald Trump loses the election. I kind of almost, like, might see if the boys, <laughs> like, just yeah, remind everyone on the day, like, please don't go and vote for this nut job, you know, just because you can see the damage it's doing to the to the 
psyche of the entire planet as well as obviously all the people who live in America, all that kind of stuff. But again, it kind of looks like his, his tease out brave, anyway. You know, Stuart, I think that's brave that you would say that because he's do have fans in America, you know, uh-huh. might be Trump voters, you know? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. I mean, I don't know. If you, if you were a Trump voter and you kind of got put off by people in the arts not liking Trump you'd have a pretty I mean you'd just be sitting sitting with your one Kid Rock CD or whatever do you know what I mean I don't think you'd I don't, I don't think you'd really be able to like it's funny Roseanne you'd be watching old 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 episodes of Roseanne and listening to Kid Rock they're pretty miserable existence I watched uh, I watched in the news the other night it was one of his rallies and there were people outside like trying to make up raps for Trump it was like oh, rap music for Trump and I thought that's totally everything that he is against there so yeah, yeah. yeah. It's madness, absolute madness. It's, 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 it's a shitstorm. What's the future hold then? You're sitting in front of me, we've criticised everything today, but uh, I suppose... I don't know, I mean, I kind of, I kind of, I'm generally quite a positive person, I kind of think once we kind of get out the other side of all of this we're going through, I kind of, I'm quite hopeful for the future, to be honest. I, think, I, I genuinely think in the next 10 years, Scotland will probably be an independent country, which I think will probably be a good thing for England as well, you know? Um, I think that's always, thinking off a tangent, always been a massive, you know, selling point for me. It's not like you're, we're going on our own. It's like you're, you're leading the way for yeah. down south to be a bit more democratic and, you know, spread it out a bit, you know, give, give the north a bit more power, you know? Exactly. But we should be leading the way rather than breaking yeah. away. You know, yeah, yeah that's, that's that's how I see it, and I and I I think that's a positive. Hopefully, um, there'll be a bit, there'll be a lot of readjustment, but I kind of hope things in the arts kind of come back to something like and maybe a better version of what 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 had been there before. You know, and um, yeah, I think this is I, th- I think what the pandemic's really made people reassess what they value I've, no, I've noticed that in music definitely like people really kind of gravitating towards Bandcamp, which pays the musicians obviously a lot better than any of the streaming streaming ways of listening to music so and you just done a release this year and correct me if i'm wrong but you know it was on Bandcamp exclusively yeah. at first and yeah. half the money went to nhs charities mm-hmm. and half went to so musical charity as well. Help musicians. Help musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's fantastic. You know, yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good and we managed to make make some good causes, a decent amount of money. And I think that, I think people want to pay for music. I think they've just kind of made it hard, hard for people to do so. They've kind of. I think to a certain extent on that point, if you want to buy a band's album or if you want to, you know, who really plays CDs anymore? I know. And only a certain amount of people have got the record players. So if you're buying a vinyl, it's it's almost like the only place you can listen to music is online. Mm-hmm. And it is harder to purchase it in that respect. Yeah, they've made, and and it's it's kind of generational too because I think young people don't see music as something that you should pay, you should pay for, but they're also smart. I think young people are really smart. I think that that's something that people don't talk about that much I and mean, people kind of are kind of snotty about millennials but yeah, there's a lot of smart smart people out there and I, I think that they they're starting to realise the value of art and I think that the lockdown made people obviously not the Tories but made normal reasonable people value people who create things because 
it's helped everyone get by and they've not been so busy that they don't notice it, you know. And uh, Mobile, when we're back up and running, obviously you've, you've cancelled the February shows, but will they be on at a later date? Or? Um, yeah, I'm sure we'll, I'm sure we'll, 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 as soon as we can play gigs, we'll be playing gigs. And we've got new and music. The album coming out as well. Yeah, we've got new music coming out really soon. So, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pretty... There's a lot to look forward to. I mean, I we're all doing so. Good, but there's a lot to look yeah. forward to. Yeah, no, I think I think things will be okay. Sure, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so all much right, for your cheers. time. Cheers. Cheers, chaps. Uh, thanks very much to everyone that's uh, listened to this episode of the podcast. If you've not, please like and subscribe and check out some